Welcome to episode six of Raw Chatter, the stuff that matters. Hi folks, welcome. It's Vicky Midwood here, the alcohol addiction and disordered eating eliminator. And this episode is a bit of a sensitive one. So again, I'm going to give you a trigger warning, folks. I am going to be talking about abuse. Um, I'm going to be talking about mental as well as sexual abuse. So if that has happened to you and you don't want to be triggered, um, please don't continue to listen. But if it is you and you have gotten through it and gotten over it, then maybe you do want to have a little listen. So I wanted to talk about this stuff today because there's a lot of talk about mental health at the moment um, with us coming out of lockdown, hopefully at some time soon, and the not knowing what the new normal, if there is going to be such a thing, is going to be like. Um, and for so many people, this whole lockdown situation has been horrendous. There was some stuff on the news this week uh, about the amount of women who have been trying to get out of violent homes and violent relationships, and there just are not enough places to actually house people and families. And, you know, I've had experience of this firsthand, and I, and I think it's really important to, to let people know that it's not our fault if you were a part of a home where there was particularly emotional and mental abuse that was going on. I'm not going to say that, that mental and emotional abuse is worse than physical abuse. Um, I, I don't think you can you can actually say that one is worse than the other. They are both equally horrific for the person to whom the abuse is being aimed at, but also the family members who, who by default are, are going to feel what is going on. Um, and so I just wanted to share with you a little bit about what happened in my case because you know maybe some of you can can relate my mum had postnatal depression after me and and for anybody who's got a clinical diagnosis of depression or has been through postnatal depression it's it's not something that you can describe to people unless you've actually been there and um, you know people say oh yeah I know how you feel well unless you've actually been through it there are certain things you just really do not know uh, how it feels but but for my mum she was really hardly able to function and it took her a long time to to come back she was very much a loved person her family helped out and they looked after me for a while while my mum went into hospital for a short time and when she came out she was a lot better but she was then on medication and I'm not going to go into all of the details but I'm not because of my mum's mental health issues and what I saw uh, the deterioration that I saw with how she was treated via medication and other things has made me completely anti-medication for for most things especially and that's actually the reason that I do what I do because I saw the detrimental effect medication had on my father's physical health and later on his own mental health too so mum's on medication and it meant that she was just 
not herself. She was a different person. And she was a person who struggled to, to just get through the day and to do day-to-day -day things. And by that, I mean things like doing the washing and doing the ironing and cleaning the bathroom. And yes, she was a stay-at-home mum. And for those of you who are of the younger generation, I'm talking about, I was brought up in a world where the man did go out to work and the woman did stay at home and look after the kids and bring up the family. She gave up her job as a nursery nurse to have kids. That was her choice. She wanted to do that. And um, and she loved being a mom and she loved being at home. But when the depression hit uh, and later on she got a diagnosis of, of manic depression, she could not cope with just general day to day stuff. And that meant that when my dad, who was an absolute workaholic and a bit of a perfectionist, a lie a total perfectionist, came home uh, and stuff wasn't done, he would lay into her verbally. And she would get so frustrated or upset, one or the other. She would either get as angry and start shouting as loud back, or she would burst into tears and just not be able to cope. Either which way, as a kid watching that, I grew up seeing that and therefore I kind of thought that that was the way that men spoke to women and it was acceptable. He would make snidey comments or remarks flippantly, jokingly, you know what, as a kid you don't really know whether it's it's meant tongue-in-cheek or whether it's meant realistically but when they were in company or out you know with us as a family then there would be the odd comment that as an extra sensitive kid I picked up on and I was very aware that I didn't want him to think like that about me uh, and that really fed into my not good enoughness and trying to be perfect as a kid so I saw the effect that this had on my mum and when my dad couldn't express himself and couldn't get get my mum to do stuff then he would turn violent um, the more she retaliated back, the more physically she went for him, and she did, she would go for him physically, then unfortunately he did retaliate, and of course he was bigger than she was, and she came off worse. So was there emotional stuff going on, abuse? Yes. Was there physical abuse going on? Yes. And I witnessed that, and you know that's part and parcel to do with why I ended up, as I did with my relationship with food and my body and and feeling not good enough for most of the time, but striving to be better. That translated when I got older into me accepting behavior that absolutely now I would not tolerate at all, but age and life experience are incredible things and we can't fast forward. You know, we've all probably said this if you're of a certain age, if, if I knew back then what I know now, I would have done things completely differently. But as I've said before on these podcasts, we cannot know what we don't know. We can only know what we've experienced, witnessed and what we've interpreted and, and what we perceive to be the way to go. And I didn't want to rock the boat. I hated confrontation for anybody. So if I heard somebody make a snidey remark about my weight, I wouldn't say anything, but I would take it re really personally and to heart. So when I got into my teens and I started to lose weight and became very, very thin, I was flattered by sexual comments, by what now would be seen as really racist, you know, 
remarks and stuff, I was absolutely flattered that somebody could find me attractive and, and want to sleep with me. And so a lot of, of what I did to myself was abuse as well, in that I was abusing myself with food, but I was also abusing myself by allowing my body to be used because I honestly thought that if I slept with people that they must like me and therefore I must be good enough and therefore I must be attractive enough. And as I got into relationships, I allowed the men in my life to demand sex from me and I thought it was my role, my duty to to do what was asked because that's what a good person did and I didn't want to rock the boat and I didn't want to get into trouble. Was that a type of abuse? Yeah, now I look back on it, it absolutely was. Um, and then, yeah, it, it really, it when I look back at how that made me react to other people and form the relationships that I formed, I could not get the balance. And, and some of you may be able to resonate with this. I would be really strong and assertive and almost a bully myself around people who I thought I was better than, who I could tell what to do. And yet I would also allow myself to be abused and used by people who I thought were better than me. Now, if you're living in that relationship where you just don't know from one day to the next whether the person is going to be kind and loving and thoughtful and the person that you thought you chose to be with or whether that person is going to be vindictive and nasty and threatening and paranoid that leads you to living a life where you are permanently on eggshells and the stress of living like that can literally cause your brain to work differently and will definitely affect how you look after your body and how your digestive system works and therefore how your hormones and your neurotransmitters function. And because our brains actually change, our, our brains are plastic, they do not stay exactly the same way. We allow ourselves unwittingly to get brainwashed by the abuse that we hear. And we know it with kids, but it happens with adults too. If you are told often enough that you are ugly and stupid and fat, the chances are that it won't take that long before that's how you are thinking about yourself in your own head. That's how you are talking to others about yourself. And you believe it. Whether it's true or not, when you look in the mirror, it kind of doesn't matter. You're going to convince yourself that that is the truth, your truth when it actually isn't. And this is how powerful brainwashing can be, the repetition. When something is said to you with authority, when it's said to you frequently, and when it's said in a tone of voice that, that means you're not gonna argue back, then you are eventually going to believe that that is true. Even if it's the most bonkwards, backwards thing in the world, it will happen. That's how brainwashing works. And so when you're stuck in that and you've got a family who are also living in that environment, it's very easy for people on the outside to say, why does she put up with it? Or why does he put up with it? Because remember, not all mental um, abuse and physical abuse is from a man to a woman. There is many, 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 many times that is the other way around. And for guys, there's this massive stigma 
And that, you know, we've talked about, and I've talked about on these podcasts, the stigma for men having disordered eating and anorexia and admitting that, you know, they're throwing up or they are uh, purging and then starving themselves uh, or over-exercising. It seems kind of a vain thing to do, but it also seems to be a weak thing to do. And it's not manly to actually own up and say, hey, you know what, I'm having issues with my body and how I look and food. It's not the kind of thing that the guys are going to talk about. In the same way, guys don't tend to be open to saying abuse is happening because there is this social conditioning. And I'm sorry if you don't like it and you believe in equality, but I can't change the fact that we do not live in an equal society. And as much as we may want it to be true, it just isn't. And men will always feel that they should be in some way stronger, that they should not show their emotions uh, too much. And we're working on it. I know that. So before you kind of are in uproar at what I'm saying, I know that things are trying to change, but it's going to be slow. It's going to be slow going. And there is this stigma for men putting their hand up and saying, yeah, my partner is emotionally and mentally tormenting me on a daily basis, or my partner is physically violent. And a lot of people who live in violent relationships are not living with partners who are doing it all the time. In fact, they are complete Jekyll and Hyde. They can be so remorseful to the point where this time you really want to believe them, even though history says it's not likely to stay that way. You want to believe that it will be different. You want to believe that this time they've turned the corner, that this time they truly do mean it. The reality is that is often not the case. But these people, when it comes to physical violence, are often very clever. They know just where to hit you so it won't show. They know just how to squeeze your arm or put the fingers into a particular part on your shoulder that will make you wince but they also know that you're not going to make that face or make a noise if you're in public they are clever they are manipulative they are many other things the point is this and this is the whole point of me doing this it is not your fault that you are in that situation but it is up to you to change it because you cannot change the other person. The only person that you can change is you. And sometimes the only way that you can realize that you do even have an option, that it is even slightly possible for you to get out of that situation and to change things is to talk to somebody. And this is why the helplines are so important. The charities that are helping people out are so important. Let's let go of the shame around being emotionally, physically, mentally abused. And let's hold up our hands and say, yeah, that's happened to me. But I am now choosing to do things differently. And I need some help. I need some help to change things. In one of my relationships, I was actually raped, folks, and and this is how powerful our our brains are and how we want to keep ourselves safe in that I shoved that whole experience right to the back of my head when I went into rehab. Um, I literally tried to bury it, and I was still very much in my issues with food as well as my issues with drink. Even though I wanted to kid myself that I'd gotten over my food issues, I honestly truly had not. Um, And it's only when it came up in rehab when we were telling our life story, and even then I didn't remember part of that. 
because I tried to wipe it out. I wanted to believe that this person was not like that, but they were. They were that person. And did I create that situation whereby he reacted in the way that he did? Yes, I will hold my hands up and put and say, yeah, I played a part in that. But there was no way that I would have ever expected that that would have been the outcome, that I had multiple broken ribs and, and was abused in the way that I was. Am I ashamed of it? Absolutely not. Do I wish that it hadn't happened? Of course. But in a way, I'm quite glad that I have had that experience because what it's taught me is that you never truly know what people are like until there are stressful situations. And that's when people really do show their true colours. And it's how you then respond to them that makes the difference. So for those of you who are listening who may be in a situation where you are being physically, mentally abused, where you are being raped because that person who is doing it believes it's okay, I want you to know that you can reach out and speak to people who will not judge you, who will do everything in their power to help you and your family. This is the stuff that as a society, we need to stop being ashamed of. We need to stop blaming ourselves for, but we do need to start taking responsibility. We must not stay blaming ourselves and telling ourselves we can't do anything about it. We need to get out of victim mode. And I'll just finish on this. I read an amazing inspirational post by a lady today um, who was talking about the fact that she did have the courage to get out of that relationship and um, that person is making it difficult for her to recover. Um, But she's now determined not to allow him to keep on doing what he was doing when they were in a relationship. She is not. She is standing in her strength. She's standing in her power. And crucially, she is talking about it. So on that note, I'm going to wish you a good day, whatever you do. Talk to someone you trust. Get help. Mental, physical, emotional abuse is not your fault. But you need to take responsibility for getting out of that situation and changing things. Thanks for listening.